So we're doing part three of uh, the series to do with false ministries. What every believer needs to know about false ministries. Amen. Okay. And I'm going to start off uh, with point number 10. Point number 10. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to rehash what I've covered before simply because uh, of time. I want to go deep into this. But I encourage you, if you've missed out on this series, please just catch up by way of YouTube. Is everyone ready? Okay. True pastors are called to guard their flock from false ministries. True pastors are called to guard their flock from false ministries. This is crucial, isn't it? In Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 29, it says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. This is so powerful. Why do we preach these series? I'm preaching this series because I'm doing my duty as a pastor to watch over the flock. Pastors who do not warn their congregations about heresies, about false doctrine, about false ministries are not watching over the flock. Amen. So the Bible here says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. Every single individual has to keep watch over themselves. But if you're a business person, you keep watch over yourself and your business. If you're a teacher, you keep watch over yourself and your class or your school. If you're a parent, you keep watch over yourself and your children. If you're a pastor, you keep watch over yourself and all the flock that God has given you. Amen? Amen. Do you know that one of the keys to success and being successful, your success is determined by the degree to which you watch over that which God has assigned to you. Whether it's the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, watch over this garden. Or it's maybe your talent and your treasures. Watch over these talents and multiply them. If you don't do that, what happens? He calls you a wicked servant. So God is in a place right now where he's calling us to watch over certain things. And you know what our problem is today? A lot of us are watching, but we're watching over the wrong stuff. Please hear me this morning. A lot of us are watching, but we are watching over the wrong things. Have you noticed that some people, they watch over the Premier League and the table. They know it back to front. Ah, no, yeah, if Chelsea wins today, then they'll lose this one. Then this what happens, then we'll lose this amount and so on. You know those people who know the Premier League log back to front? They know it. They've got the data. They watch over it. They're always checking. Oh, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Right now, they watch over the Masters Golf. 
I'm just checking. Let's look at the leaderboard, leaderboard, leaderboard. They watch over their investments. Nothing wrong with doing that. Always looking. Ooh, how much? What are the stocks doing? What are the stocks doing? They watch over the political parties and they become politicians or wannabes. You know those people we're always talking to each other and every time they get together, it's like they know what direction the nation should be going. They're watching over things. They're deep into their sport. They become physios. I know the problem is that coach is training them too hard. Yeah, they should use different types of techniques. They're watching over many things. But God is saying in the scripture, if you're a pastor, watch over yourself and the flock. If you're a parent, watch over yourself and your children. You see, with those very same people who can tell you every single thing about every single political party and what they're doing and the history, you ask that person, so tell me, does your son prefer maths or social sciences? They can't tell you. Does your daughter enjoy this teacher or that teacher? They can't tell you. They're watching over things God hasn't called them to watch over. And the things God has assigned to them to watch over, they're not watching over. One of the things that happens in false ministries, there's a lot of watching over the flock, but very little watching over self. The Bible here says, watch over yourselves and the flock that God has given you. Are you hearing me this morning? So you'll find a lot of these demagogues, and I'm not going to keep defining demagogues, just um, listen to the previous messages. These demagogues, they're there for you. Oh, we'll give you this, we'll fund this. And people will rush there because of that. But the person isn't watching over themselves. If I just prepared messages from scripture only to preach to you, I'm watching over you, but I'm not watching over myself. I also have to read the word for myself to feed myself. Amen? What does it mean to watch over yourself? You're watching over what comes through your ear gates. I'm watching, what am I hearing? If I'm, a, if I'm surrounded by negative people, I either change the direction of the conversation or I get rid of those people. Amen? So you watch what goes into your ear gates. You watch what goes into your eye gates. What am I looking at? Have I made a covenant with my eyes like Job? Are you hearing me this morning? Watch over yourselves and the flock. What does it mean for me as a father to watch over my children? I need to know what are they being taught at school. I need to know what conversations are they having with their friends. The Lord spoke to me and said, listen to the conversations your children are having with each other. You see, as parents, very often we listen to conversations our kids have with us. Listen to the conversations they're having with each other. Because when they speak to you, they know what dad likes. They know what mom likes and they want to please you. But when you listen to the sub-conversations, you're watching over them. Are you hearing me this morning? All right? This is crucial. If I'm, if, as a father, if I'm watching over my children, I need to make sure that they're being fed the word of God and that they're reading it for themselves. So we have reward systems and things like that around it. But how many of you know that it doesn't always happen? It doesn't always happen. I was speaking to my kids the one time we're doing some kind of Bible quiz or something. And I said, guys, who was Abraham's son? And Daniel said, Lincoln. 
part of it is Daniel's sense of humor. But the point I'm making is that do our children know the word of God? So they are things we've been called to watch over. And I know quite a number of pastors listen to these messages. And I want to challenge the pastors who are going to listen to this message. And I want to say, watch over your flock. Watch over your flock. And I find it interesting because it says, of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. As leaders, we need to acknowledge that it is by God's grace that people follow us. I can't say, oh, I'm so, so good and I'm so skilled. <laughs> so I've placed myself over you. That's why the Bible says, do not lord it over those who you lead, like the Gentiles do. I count it a privilege that you guys would say, you know what, our Sunday morning, we're going to come and we're going to worship here in this church and we're going to listen to this message. I count it a privilege that for the next 45 minutes, 50 minutes or so, you will be listening to me preach. I don't think like, oh, you're so lucky to listen to this. It's a privilege. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who has made me an overseer. False ministries don't do that. False ministries don't do that. False ministries have this mindset of, do you know that you're very lucky just to be looking at me today? Do you know that it's a privilege for you to be in my presence? That's the mindset. Are you following this morning? Don't let the enemy rob you from, from this revelation. This is so strong. This is so powerful. It says, be shepherds of the church of God. Not the church of Paul. Not the church of Tracy. The mindset of true ministry is a stewardship mindset. The mindset of true ministry is a stewardship mindset. That this is God's church. And there's a stewardship that we have. We've been entrusted to lead you. And guess what happens? When I come to the end of my life, God is going to ask me, so how far? So what did you do with the people that I gave you? And as you are faithful steward of the few, God then gives you many. We heard that powerful teaching, right? When it comes to finances, when it comes to your treasures, when it comes to your talent. When you are faithful with the few that God gives you. If you are a small group leader, those aren't your people. Those are people that have been designated to you by delegated authority. And you're saying, as I'm representing my pastors who are representing the chief shepherd who's Jesus... How am I dealing with these people? Some of you have been uh, cell group leaders in the past. Some of you are current cell group leaders. God will ask you that question. What are you doing with the people I've given you? The children that you have. Yes, when we are speaking English, we say, my kids, my kids, my kids. But I believe we need to have a stewardship mentality. That, wow, Lord, thank you. You knew what was on Daniel's destiny. You knew what was on Samuel's destiny. You knew what was on Jaden's destiny. And you said, I'm choosing these people to be their parents. Are you following this morning? I remember saying to my wife some years ago, a couple of years ago, I said, some of the things God has given you, some of the ways he's graced you, it's not primarily for you, but it's for you to unlock in our children because it's a primary gift for them. It's a secondary gift for you. God will give you certain desires that are not just for you, but it's to unlock in your kids. Amen? This is the mindset of stewardship. The mindset of stewardship. 
He goes on to say in verse 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. They'll come in among you and will not spare the flock. What has God called you to watch over? What has God called you to watch over? What I find interesting here is before this, the build-up to this, Paul would talk about how I warned you guys with tears. I would warn you night and day. Part of overseeing a group of people is warning a group of people. Part of being a watchman over a group of people is being able to anticipate what's around the corner. Can you see what the potential influences are? Remember the other day I had a dream about one of my kids. I remember saying to my wife, oh, this is what I dreamt about. Oh, what do you think it means? God will always be showing you certain things. Is this a warning? Is this something we must be careful of? I remember at one stage, uh, my kids wanted to live in a particular expensive estate. And I remember my wife would have a check in her spirit and she'd be just like, I'm having these dreams about that place and these dangers and that danger. Are the houses there lovely? They're wonderful. Not the golf estate here. It wasn't the golf estate. It was somewhere else. Okay. Jean is looking at me and he's like, he's worried. All right. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, that's what she was sensing. Because when you're a watchman and you're saying, God, show us what we need to see. Even over the church, sometimes we'll pray prayers where we'll say, Lord, may you expose wickedness. Even in the corporate world, very often I'll go into specific environments and one of the patterns that seems to happen is I'll go in and soon afterwards it's like, oh, this person has been caught because of fraud. Oh, this person is leaving because of this. Things that were hidden get exposed. What is that? Where is that coming from? When you're a watchman over certain things, God rewards you. He says, you, you have been watching. I'll open your eyes so you can see. Amen. So we need to watch. We need to watch what God has given us to watch. And we, sh we should stop wasting time watching over things that God hasn't called us to watch over. Has he called you to be a watchman over that government department? Because that's all you talk about. Has he called you to be a watchman over that particular school down the road? If he has, then watch and pray. But just remember... First of all, watch over yourself. Amen. Sometimes we think people are harmless. And yet it's interesting how it says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. As a pastor, there are things I need to watch. Oh, is that person divisive? And when I see someone who's divisive, who causes division because of gossip, I take it very, very seriously. I'm a nice, soft, gentle, soft-spoken person. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. But when it comes to certain things, I'll address it very strongly. Amen? Bitterness defiles. Let's not entertain bitterness. If you see someone is becoming cynical or bitter in the church, causes problems. If you see that someone is, has got a problem with gossip, causes problems. Amen? We need to watch. We need to watch. 
We need to watch for false ideas, for divisiveness, for cynicism. We need to watch. Number 11, false ministries feed on people's fleshly desires. False ministries feed on people's fleshly desires. This is so important. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Isn't that sad? The time will come when we're trying to do rebuild and teach people foundations and we only have a handful of people coming. But then when we say to people, we are doing a talk on how to be financially secure and make your next billion God's way, crowds will come. Are you hearing me? There's a great pastor, Dick Iverson, and he used to say, we have to learn how to make the basics beautiful. If you're in a place in your life where your ears are always itching to listen to some new idea, some novel idea, instead of proper sound doctrine, the word of God, then there's something fleshly about it. And I've seen this thing creep into the body of Christ, friends. I've seen this thing creep into the body of Christ. Where you talk about baptism, where you talk about righteousness, where you talk about character and people are bored. But you see people jumping up and down all excited because they say to you, hey, the way he interpreted Ephesians 4.11, I've never heard it like that before. It's the secret to greatness. And I'm just, I'm devouring those tapes, those CDs. I'm devouring them. Be very careful of novel ideas. You know those kind of people, and you sort of wonder, why did no one else get this revelation in the last 2,000 years? But now there's this special person where he's got some special revelation. Be very careful, because sometimes they are ac actually angels of darkness. They're actually demonically inspired ideas that people have. And their book becomes a bestseller. And you're glued to it. But it's not based on the word. So my question to you is, do you love foundations? Can you listen to a foundational message again and again, and God keeps speaking to you through it? Are you the kind of person who's like, I need more than this, you know, I need the deeper stuff. Be very careful. If you look at that word occult, it means dark. It means secret. So whenever you speak to someone, they'll say, I'll, I'll share with you the secret to this. Be very wary about that. Why is it a secret? Why wasn't it already shared in the word of God? Jesus has given us all the keys that we need. Amen? All of this good stuff. You heard the offering message. You hear all these things. It's foundational word stuff that's in the Bible. So what happens is they feed on your fleshly desires. It says instead, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So very often we blame the false minister and we say this false minister is gathering people around him, don't we? But can you see how the word puts it? It says these people gather around them false ministers who will tell them what they want to hear. 
There's no supply when there's no demand. There's no supply when there's no demand. A basic thing in business is you're solving people's problems, but you first have to have a demand. Amen? And that's the problem we have today. The reason why you have a lot of false ministries is because there's a lot of flesh. There's a lot of flesh that is itching to hear what that false minister has to say. Are you following? All right? I've seen this happen to me. I've experienced this. This is not theory. I remember one time years ago in a particular church we were pastoring, I preached a message on intimacy with God. Now, come on, you can't go wrong there. Intimacy with God. Is intimacy with God a good thing? It's a good thing, isn't it? Afterwards, there was a guy who was there from another church, and he was visiting. And I was quite excited that him and his family were there. But he was from a church that was, okay, I won't, I won't comment. But he, I spoke to him after I said, so how did you find the message? You know, as pastors, sometimes we want to know, right? So how did you find the message? And he was like, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was good. I think there were a few points that could work even for our marriage and that kind of thing. I guess, Paul, I'm just used to my pastor. You know, he always gives us something that keeps you going for the week, some motivational thing that really boosts you. A number of months later, that very pastor he was talking about, someone from that church left there and came to our church and said, Pastor Paul, that pastor is having an affair with my sister. What do I do? He's buying fridges for her. He's buying stuff. What do we do? Are you, are you following? So you have some people who will preach messages, and it's what people are itching to hear. Hey, give me a boost. You can get a boost from any motivational speaker out there. And sometimes their ideas are humanistic. They're coming from a humanistic worldview, a man-centered religion. Amen? So you'll find a lot of these guys will preach about keys to success. We've done that also. We've done that also. There's nothing wrong with that. There's only a problem if that's all you preach about. Amen? If that's your only message, then there's a problem. You never hear them preaching about character. You never hear them preaching about righteousness. You never hear them preaching about brokenness. You never hear them preaching about enduring suffering which we see in scripture. And then people are disillusioned because they've only been fed that I'm going to get my miracle in 24 hours. And so what happens when you don't get your miracle in those 24 hours? Hey, God failed me. The false minister prophesies says you'll get a husband in three months. What happens? Now you're disillusioned. I didn't get my husband in three months. In fact, yeah, all of a sudden there were a whole lot of guys who were after me. Because sometimes false prophecy does that. Demonically inspired false prophecy will actually create circumstances that are demonic, that are devilish. And then the wrong people come around you and then you think, this is what the pastor was talking about. And then you fall for the wrong guy. Amen. I'm seeing some worried faces. <laughs> but he prophesied. It must be this one. Is he a Christian? Yeah, but he prophesied. And this is the only one that has come. So I'm sure by the time I say I do, he'll get born again. <laughs> okay? 
They will turn away, they'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. What is a myth? A myth is a widely held but false belief or idea. It's widely held, so we believe it because many people believe it. Be very careful. There's a lot of dodgy stuff out there that many people believe. And just because many people believe it doesn't make it true. Because many people can be deceived. Amen? A myth is a widely held belief, but it's false. All right? Let me give you an example. Dermatologists will say that the belief that evening primrose oil helps to cure eczema is a myth. How many of you have eczema? How many of you use primrose oil? All right? They say that it's a myth. That's an example. You know what's so sad in all of this? What's so sad in all of this is that we fall for it. You can even be in a church like this, but the primary place you're feeding off is somewhere else that's false. We can be here together and you feel like, no, this is not a false ministry, so we are here. But the primary source you're feeding from is false. And so you end up with mixture. Let's be careful. Amen? Before you listen to a message, ask yourself, Lord, is this what you want to feed me with? Or is my flesh there and that's why I want to buy that book? Is this book feeding my greed? It happens. It happens. Be very careful of novel ideas. You see it with diets. Have you noticed with the whole dieting thing? It's like, oh, you know, there's one year people say, margarine is good. And then the next year, no, 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 it's actually not that good for you. And then this type of fat is good. No, no, no this one isn't. And then this is the latest diet. No, no, no don't, don't eat meat. No, now you must just eat meat only. <laughs> and these are billion dollar industries. I remember coaching someone recently and they were just saying, I've tried all the diets. I've tried all. It's about lifestyle. And you know what's interesting? Your body is not the same as my body. If we do a whole DNA study of mine, DNA study of yours, there's some people, if they just have a little bit of fat, fatty foods, it affects them. They blow out. With other people, they can eat quite a lot of it and it doesn't affect them as much. People are wired differently. Amen. There's no, no one size fits all. I mean, they're standard basic things. This is bad for you. This is good for you and so on. But some people get away with stuff that other people don't get away with. Amen? But you know that when it comes to these doctrines and so on, these false doctrines, that's exactly what's happening. Have you noticed that? The one year, it's like, no, this is how you must do the money thing. No, 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 you mustn't do this. No, leadership is like this. No, 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 it's like this. Let's make the basics beautiful. Let's go back to the word of God. Amen? We're seeing this a lot. It's the flesh. One year, it's one thing. Even when it comes to physical appearance, have you noticed that? Back in the 80s, there was a look that was supposed to be good. Come on, ladies. With men, it tends to be quite standard. But, you know, now, the latest is strong is the new skinny. I saw a thing that says strong is the new skinny. I quite like that, actually. Right? There were the years where, you know, this looks beautiful, the voluptuous, you know, that look. 
and then this other year, it's now this. Then afterwards, people were anorexic, you know, those anorexic models and so on. I don't know how that looked good, but anyway. It was up, down, up, down, up, down. And for some of you, you're trying to be something right now. I'm warning you, don't try to be that thing. Because next year, that will be out of fashion. Amen? Just be healthy. Just be strong. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we need to love the word of God. We need to be like David, where he says that the laws of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. They're more precious than gold. Let's love the word of God. Amen. One guy was talking about a particular church. And, you know, I think it's a great church, you know. Um, I don't have issues with the particular church. But there was a guy who used to be there. And he was just saying to me a few days ago, yeah, no, 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 but there I don't want to go. Because it's just motivational messages. And the guys are quoting Confucius, you know. And yes, it's good success principles. And then he just throws in a verse because we're in church. But Paul, I'm sure there's so much in the Bible he could be quoting. Why do we have to keep quoting Confucius? It's a very valid point. Why do pastors have to spend a lot of time quoting so many people from out there when there's so much in the word? We quote a lot of different people, but one of the things we try to make sure of is if someone is very dodgy, I have to be careful. Because sometimes what happens is I can quote someone and then you can think I'm endorsing everything that person believes. And then you go and you read all their books. So sometimes we will do that because they've got good phrases that they use but just because we quote that person, don't exalt that quotation above the word of God. Amen? Number 12. False ministries point people to a man and not to Jesus. False ministries point people to a man and not to Jesus. Who are you pointing people to? We see some parents doing it. I remember one person would say, God has provided for me, would say that to their father. And their father, who wasn't a Christian, would say, yeah, but you've also got me, hey? There's also me. There's something in us as men where we want to be our children's heroes. This morning as we arrived, you know, I like my kids to appreciate. And I love their sense of humor, I must say. So we're in the car we arrive at church, and I'm always saying, you guys must always say thank you for this, always say thank you for that. So now, I hadn't said anything. It was unprovoked. And then one of them starts, Daddy, Daddy, thank you so much. Thank you, Daddy, for my skin color. Thank you for giving me my skin color, Daddy. <laughs> then there are all sorts of discussions now. Then one of them is saying, like, no, 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 but your skin color, you've got more of moms than dads and so on. No, 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 you've got more. You... You are half this, uh, no, 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 but the people at school say, you are three quarters mom and just a quarter dad. There's a whole discussion there. Like, I didn't do that. God gave it to you. So when we're praised by the people around us, are we giving God the glory? Amen? When your kids say, oh, thank you, you're so, so generous, or your spouse, are you saying, I really thank God for providing for us? 
It's because of His grace that we were able to purchase this thing. Amen? Ask yourself, are we pointing people to Jesus or are we pointing people to man? This is crucial. And those of you, how many of you are about to start a business? You're about to start a business. You're about to birth a business. Okay? Well, here's the thing. Make a covenant with God that, Lord, I will always give you the glory. Lord, as I become more successful, you will always get the glory. You have a covenant with the Lord around that. Amen? And he'll trust you with more because he knows who you're going to glorify. By the way, Sunday, this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, I'm going to be doing a powerful message on how to glorify God. Invite people. Invite people. Seven ways to glorify God. It's crucial. Jesus glorified God in his death and resurrection. How can we glorify God? Amen. Barnabas and Paul tore their clothes when people tried to worship them. People were calling them Zeus and you've become these gods. They tore their clothes. This is, how can you guys do this? What do you do when people try to worship you? Ah, let me show you my skills. <laughs> this is how I did it, guys. Do you guys remember Good to Great by Jim Collins? He did a study of organizations that didn't change leadership but went from good to great. And he found that the people who took them from good to great, he called them level five leaders, and they were very unique. They weren't your typical charismatic leader, right? They weren't your typical charismatic personality. These leaders had a bulldog tenacity about them, but they also had a self-effacing humility about them. Isn't that beautiful? What do I mean by self-effacing? It's not about me. The opposite of arrogant. And what would happen was, when people would approach these leaders and say, how did you do this amazing thing? Guess what they would say? I've been so fortunate to have this wonderful team supporting me. And then when people would accuse them and say, what's happened to your organization? How come it's failing here, here, and here? They would take responsibility and they'll say, you know what, I made a few mistakes. They'll take ownership. But your typical charismatic personality, I'm not talking about charismatic as in types of churches, charismatic. I'm talking about charisma. Your typical charismatic leader, what do they do? When people come and they say, you guys have messed up here, they always blame someone else. Oh, no, it's those HR people. Okay, who hired those HR people? Leadership is about responsibility, isn't it? Right? And then when you say to them, you're amazing. How did you guys do it? You've been so successful. Hey, come, let me show you my skills. Okay? Always give God the glory and always acknowledge the people who are helping you do what you do. Amen? So how do false prophets and teachers today respond when they're worshipped? Give me more, give me more, give me more. Oh, I enjoy the glory. Give me more. Hey, carry on. And worship of man penetrates our services. That's why a lot of their church services are very long. Because there's a lot of time wasted worshiping man. Can I go there? There's a lot of time wasted worshiping man. Be very careful about that. 
And those of you who think that Paul is afraid and Paul is, you know, is afraid of offending people, then all those watching by way of internet, the many thousands of you, the reason why a lot of church services today are extremely long services is because a lot of time is being wasted worshiping man instead of Jesus. Amen? It's one thing for me to honor you, but we can't spend the whole service honoring a man. Then don't call it a service. Let's have a special honoring a man breakfast. Amen? There's nothing wrong with honor. We're going to do a whole series on honor. But when we're supposed to be glorifying the name of Jesus, when we're supposed to be telling God how good he is, how wonderful he is, how dare I take too much time just sitting there, glorify me. We call it meology. You know, there's theology, then there's meology. It's all about me, Jesus. <laughs> it's happening in the church today, and it should bother us. See, for some of you who have come from backgrounds where you're just cool with everything, cool, I don't judge, Paul, I don't judge. Yeah, just, oh, it's all good, it's all good. That must, that must stop. When you're a sound person in the word of God, there's certain things that should disgust you. You should be jealous over worship that should be going to Jesus. Amen? It's so sad when more weight and excitement is placed on the words of the leader than on Jesus and his word. We have churches today in this nation and the nations of the world where the name of Jesus isn't even mentioned for weeks. It's just nice ideas and it's done in the name of we're just being seeker sensitive. We're being sensitive to people who don't know Jesus yet. So we just want to ease them into it. There's no easing people into it. We proclaim Jesus and we're not ashamed. Amen? We're not going to be like, I know for, the, for, for our Sunday services, we don't mention the name of Jesus. We don't read verses or scripture. We pretend like we're not really into that stuff. We just want to be funky and cool. So then at what point do we introduce them to Jesus? And what happens when we do then say we believe in the word of God and the word of God alone? They'll feel conned. Why didn't you tell me in the first few weeks that I was here that this is what you're about? You guys have snuck up on me. Why did you guys act like everything is so cool? I can fornicate as much as I want. I can do this. I can do that. And then now in the back room when we're having foundation teaching, you're saying, yeah, I just wanted to say, my brother, you know, like, let's just explore the word of God and see if that's okay or not. Hey, do you want to try Jesus? What's that all about? We need to go back, ladies and gentlemen, to the word of God, where we preach the word in humility, where we give Jesus all the glory that is due to him. Amen? None of this um, mixture stuff that's been going on in the body of Christ. Okay? Look at Acts chapter 14, verse 13 to 15. These guys 
Um, it's, it's, let, let me just start from about verse 13. Whose temple was just outside the city, the temple of Zeus. They, these people brought bulls and wreaths um, to the city gates, hoping to offer a sacrifice along with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul found out about this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? In other words, why are you trying to worship us like, you're, like we are one of your gods? Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men. If you, if you listen to the way some of these false ministers, false apostles, false prophets pre preach, when was the last time you heard them saying, guys, we are only men. We are only women. Okay, it tends to be more men, so we are only men. Now, I'm a man just like you. Let me show you the steps in terms of trusting God so God can also use you. When was the last time you heard them say that? But this is what the apostles in the early church did. They said, we too are only men. We are human like you. One of the marks of true ministers of the gospel is they will try and show you that they're human just like you. And then they will give you the skills, they'll give you the tools to greatness. Amen? We are bringing you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. And you find a lot of these false ministries have a mindset of, guys, you owe me. I healed you, so you owe me. You know what Luke 6 verse 26 says? It says, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. How did their ancestors treat the false prophets? They spoke well of them. So just because someone is popular, it doesn't mean they're true. Your popularity with people is not a measure of how true you are in ministry. Because sometimes the most popular people are also false ministers. Amen? And you know, it's interesting that Jesus says, woe to you when people speak well of you. That word woe is a very strong word in the original language. Do you know when Jesus says, woe to you Chorazin, woe to you Bethsaida? You know when he said that to those towns? Those towns don't exist anymore. Sometime after Jesus said that over those towns that had rejected him, those towns ended up in ruins. Sometimes we look at these words like, whoa, and we just think, oh, it's Shakespearean English, King James English, whoa, whoa, no. It's actually a word of judgment. When Jesus says, woe to you when people speak well of you. So you can come and you can say, wow, look at how many likes I got on Facebook. Oh, look at all these likes. Just because you got all those likes doesn't make you a true minister of the gospel. Amen? So maybe we should stop monitoring certain things. Because it's not always a measure of true success from God's perspective. Amen? You know what's so sad? Is a lot of false ministers end up so puffed up in pride. And they end up believing, believing their own press. Their followers say, you know what, you're Elijah, come back. Hey, I guess maybe I am, hey? I believe that the truly humble person should sometimes reject certain things that are said of them. Are you following me this morning? 
Because people who like you will come and will say, hey, you know what? You are this, you are that, and you're the only one. You're the only pastor. Pastor Paul, you're the only one. Out of all the pastors I've met in Africa, you are the only one who, and then they'll compliment you. Sometimes we need to reject that and say, I actually am not the only one. There are many others I know and I can introduce you to them. No, you have that. I've had that also. You see it. You, you preach a message and so on. The, the only one, you actually, I, I found you to be the only pastor who actually, and then they'll give you a wonderful compliment. But you know you're not the only one. And we should correct them. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they're just flattering you. Tomorrow they'll probably go to another person and also say, you're the only one, only one. <laughs> Amen? It's like guys, you know, you know those guys, uh, those charmers, womanizers, where they'll say one thing to you like now, and then they'll say the next thing. Like this old man. <laughs> Should I tell them the old man story? <laughs> My wife was at a school function the other day. <laughs> and there's this old man. They were waiting, actually, they were waiting to fetch kids from a camp and so on. And there's this old man who goes, and I think maybe he was a grandfather or something. So we're trying to monitor whose grandfather, you know, is this guy. And he says to her something like, um, what did he say? Your, your jeans don't fit properly. Your jeans don't look like, but your shoes look nice. He just he said that. And so the ladies around her said, what did he say? What did he say? So then she quoted him. And then the lady who was just next to her in part of that group says, he's just said to me my jeans fit perfectly. So he was literally like going around like, you know, saying that to the people. Warning. Warning, ladies. When that guy writes you that long text message, flattering you, saying, oh, and your nose. Ay, it's not like most of the noses from this part of the world. And your hairstyle, oh, it just does something. My heart does a flip-flop. When they start doing that, be rest assured, there's probably a copy and paste they're doing to a few other ladies. Amen? Or they'll be going for people who speak different languages and they'll just use Google Translate, same message to other people. Amen? Be very careful. We should not be victims of the praise of man. Because when we are, when we are slaves to the praise of man, we'll also be slaves to the rejection of man. Amen? If you're the kind of person who's always so boosted by people's comments, you will also be struck down by their criticism. Amen? God is calling us not to be bent toward man, but to be straightened toward God. Some people believe that their Elijah come back. Pastor Vim was preaching the other week about this guy called Black Jesus. You know, growing up in Zim in Harare, there was this guy. He started calling himself, I'm Black Jesus. I don't know if some of you from that, <laughs> some, of you, some of you might remember. I'm Black Jesus. And I think there have been a number of these Black Jesuses around the world. And so on. You know, I'm Black Jesus. Okay? Or I'm your Moses. You know what's so sad about it? Here's Paul the Apostle, a guy who wrote so much of the New Testament, and he says, guys, I'm the chief of sinners. We apostles are the scum of the earth. And the guy saying, I'm black Jesus. Can I just, can I, newsflash, can I just say something? 
In this part of the world, we are underdiagnosed in terms of mental illness. I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be funny. But with a lot, I'm not trying to be funny, but I can tell you as a psychologist, I can tell you that we, we are underdiagnosed. So a lot of these guys, where they get caught out that they're dubious, dodgy characters, but they're still convinced that they're the best thing since sliced bread, it's actually a psychological problem that they've got. And they need to go and, be t and, and get tested. Seriously. There are a lot of people, and I've seen it, you see it, even, I, I counsel lots of couples. There are some people with narcissist personality disorder. And they literally can't see that they've got flaws. They can't see it. Some of you work with some of them. See, I'm seeing nods, I'm seeing nods. Some of you work with some of them. Like, but the guy messed up and he's still blaming his boss. But the guy has had multiple affairs and he's still blaming his wife. He's not catching on that he did the wrong thing. Now, I, I counsel lots of couples and guys like, you know what her problem is? Snooping. Snooping. She was looking through my phone. So what's there to hide? And you see these wives so guilty like, hey, Pastor, I know I shouldn't have. Hey, I know I should. But the guy's been having multiple affairs. What's the bigger crime? <laughs> I remember one time counseling someone, counseling a couple, and the wife had told me that, look, there are five cases of adultery. There are five affairs my husband has had. I'm now having the session with them, and the guy's, his argument is like, no, 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 it's actually three. It's not five. <laughs> and I said to him, I had to challenge him. I say, are you saying three is okay? And the guy was saying like, yeah, no, I, the other ones I feel, I, I, the other ones I do feel remorseful, but this latest one, I know, I'm not too sure why I don't really feel any remorse. I'm not talking about people in this church, okay? I'm talking about, I'm talking about people, there are people who come. Now we laugh about these things, but some of you aren't laughing because you've been there. Number 13, false ministries are often riddled with the love of money. Ladies and gentlemen, there will always be a money trail. There will always be a money trail. The love of money, the Bible says in the book of Timothy, is the root of all kinds of evil. I remember when one pastor fell into sin, multiple cases of adultery. I remember asking the Lord, this was years ago, and I remember asking the Lord, I said, Lord, what happened why did this happen? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly and says, it was the love of money. I'm trying to think, what's the link? What's the link? And as the story unfolded, one of the big issues there was around money. Are you following this morning? If you struggle with greed, if you struggle with materialism, if you struggle with the mindset of, I want it, Paul, and I want it now, be very, very careful. Because I'm telling you, your love of money is also going to lead to all sorts of other things. And here's the thing about greed. It's, not, it's often not apparent. Because you can have two people. You can have two people who've got the same stuff, but one's heart is full of covetousness and greed, and the other one isn't. You can have two people who go and buy the same vehicle, 
spend the same money on it, same amount of money on it. But one is doing it because of lust and greed and not the other. So we can't see it. I can't always come to you and say, my brother, I think you're struggling with greed. It has to be something that God reveals. Amen? And very often, only you know. Only you know. Be very careful about the spirit of mammon. It's extremely strong in Gauteng. If you want to understand how a city operates in terms of the spirit realm around the city, study how the city was birthed. How was Joburg birthed? In greed. That's how it started, in greed, with all the gold and people just going, people are dying today. These gold panners and so on, desperate to get it, but they haven't got the safety equipment and so on. They're dying. But desperate, this is how I'm going to get money. People are queuing up for the lotto, for the lottery. People are bound in terms of gambling. Going to all these gambling places, you know the names of the places. Christians also. One of the worst type of addictions that destroys families today is gambling. It's, it's literally killing marriages today. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't get involved in stuff. Say, I'm just doing it for fun, Paul. I'm just doing it for fun. That's the deception. You wouldn't be doing it if the devil just comes and says, I'm a demon and my, de and my name is Mammon. And the way I'm going to entice you deeper into this thing is through gambling. But just start a little bit and then carry on and carry on and carry on. And you'll be fine. And you'll probably win the first time. Just try it. If you don't like it, stop. The devil doesn't do that. It's much more subtle. Amen? So the love of money. So I want to give you an interesting example. Um, let's start unpacking this. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. Now I've shared with you before what happened with Balaam the prophet. He had this gift where he could literally just curse people and what he said would happen. And he could bless guys and whatever he said would take place. So the king called Balak then said, hey, can you do this to the children of Israel? But of course, I think his conscience was operating and he felt like, oh, I can't really do this. But he ended up enticed because of what the king was offering him, the honor and the money that the king was going to be offering him, Balak was going to be offering him. And in the end, he came up with a strategy that would end up destroying the children of Israel. I want to ask you a question. Is this a possible time bomb for, for you? Have you got a bit of greed in you? And one day, when God raises you up, whether it's in ministry or in business, this is the thing that's going to destroy you. Going the way of Balaam. So you can read that account in Numbers chapter 22, just how he was enticed. In Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 7 to 8. This is what Jesus says. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. How many of you want to heal the sick? You don't seem that excited. We believe in miracles, Amen. The reason there are counterfeit miracles out there is because there's also the real thing. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. What does he go on to say? 
Freely you have received, freely give. Whatever gift we have, it's from God. And when we don't have that revelation that we've received it freely, we won't give it freely. If we feel this thing has cost me, especially what's happening nowadays where people will go, just like people would go to these sangomas and so on, pay them lots of money and say, activate this thing in me, impart this thing in me, so it costs them financially. Now what's happening? A lot of people are doing exactly the same thing. Just because they're dressed in suits and use um, microphones and have got lovely buildings, it doesn't mean it's not the same spirit in operation. Are you following this morning? All right? And so because it costs them, the mindset now is, it's going to cost you guys also. Freely you have received, freely give. It's important for us to know what do we charge for. If you're a professional in your field and you've got your professional cap on, you charge for that. When you're ministering to people by way of the gift, the anointing that God has given you, you don't charge for it. Freely it was given to you. Freely you give. The gift is not for you. It's for them. So why are you charging for it? When you go and preach somewhere, those of you who are preachers, accept what they give you. They'll give you an honorarium, maybe, or maybe not. They'll honor you in various ways. You can't say like, no, these are my rates. Are you following? Because then what happens is that the greatest preachers end up only going to the big churches who can afford them. What if God says to you, go to that small church in that corner and minister to those people? Today, a lot of ministers won't go there because it's like, what will I get? Are you following this morning? And you see, it's not just about monetary gain. It's also about giving freely so you're not expecting, oh, now you're going to respect me more because I prayed for you. Have you noticed that very often it's love with a hook? I know now you're going to stay on in my church for longer because I prayed for you. No. Whether you leave the church tomorrow or you stay on for five years, that's what God has called us to do. We're not politicians. You know, if we're a political party, that's when people are saying, are you a card-carrying member? Are you a card-carrying member? I don't know, with politics, do you have members and then card-carrying members? Amen? I want to show you in the book of Acts how this was dealt with, the love of money. This is so important. Today, people are selling trinkets. You know, you go to some of these places and it's like, if you have this bottle of oil, it's this X amount. If you buy the pastor's clothes, you get X amount. If you buy this, you, you buy it for this amount, right? It, it's, it's been commercialized. If you buy the false prophet's um, bumper sticker, it will protect your car. What happened to praying for protection? No, buy this and, and nothing will happen to your vehicle as you drive around. That's what's happening today. So watch this. Acts chapter 8, verse 9 to 24. Now for some time, a man named Simon, 
had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him. Can you see the pattern? It's just the same today. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Their sorcery in the early church and their sorcery today. He had amazed them with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. So this is a guy who was a sorcerer. He now believes and was baptized. But does it mean that his mindset was automatically renewed? No. It says, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. I want you to know that there are a lot of people who are spiritists who are now born again. Some of them, their minds have been renewed. Some of them, their minds have not been renewed. Let's go a bit deeper into this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That happened at Ignite, right? We laid our hands on a number of you, received the Holy Spirit, you're speaking in other tongues. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he said, please guys, can you teach me? How can I grow in the anointing? Please guys, can you just teach me and just give me some of these strategies or whatever you've learned so I can also be greatly used by God? Please guys, pray for me and lay hands on Did he say that? He didn't. He said... And this is interesting. Remember I said to you there's always a money trail. It says he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Have you seen what's happening today? Have you seen what's happening today? That's the first thing a lot of people are doing. How much do I need to pay this man of God in order to also get this? And look how, look how he addressed it. Did he say, hey, don't worry, my brother, you don't need to. Let me pray for you. No. Peter answered, may, you and your, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? He says, may your money perish. May it perish with you. Because you can't buy the gift of God with money. This is so important. And people need to be taught this. You have no part or share in this ministry. In other words, we don't want to have anything to do with people who think that way. Because you're going to defile what we're trying to do. You've been following us around all this time, acting like you're a part of us. But there's something not right with your heart. We don't want to be a part of you.
He says, you have no share or part in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. It's a heart issue, isn't it? Repent of this wickedness. So my message to people out there who've been doing this, who think you can buy God's gift with money, repent. Metanoia in the Greek, change your mind concerning this thing. Renew your mind, have a different mindset, right? Repent of this particular thing, of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you. <laughs> you know, nowadays people are just like, ah, God's grace, eh? it just covers everything. Ah, I did this, did that, did this, did that, ah, but God's grace. And here is Peter saying, pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you. <laughs> For having such, now watch, it wasn't something this guy even did. For having such a thought in your heart. Selah, pause, think about it, right? For I see, so he perceived something. I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. I want you to know this morning that there are a lot of people who are demagogues today, who have lots of crowds following them, but they're captive to sin. Some of them are sex addicts. They're addicted to sex. They're captive to sin. Some of them are addicted to money, captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Now, many of you are listening to me talking about this, and I think I'm going to end on that particular point. You're listening to me talking about this. And you've been there. You grew up in environments where this was going on. Let's be honest. The things I'm talking about with you, this is not theory. We grew up in church, right? You know your, your sort of formal, traditional type of churches, right? We grew up in church. We knew about Jesus. But before we got born again, how many of you are from Africa? How many Africans do we have here? <laughs> All of you should be raising your hand, right? We, we, we grew up going to these guys. There were these guys in Zim, they would call them Maprofita. You know, those Maprofita guys. So you'd be praying for breakthrough in your family there, but there are these guys from these white garment churches. I say there's mixture. From these white garment churches and people like that. And often, you know, they would go, like on our way to the rural area, would pass through these guys. And there was one particular old man. We always thought he was old. I don't think he was actually that old. You know? But you know when you're young, it's like everyone is old. And we would go. And you know those guys who take stuff out of you? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the guy used to do those things. You'd go, in a kitchen ply. And you'd pull out stuff from you. <laughs> don't you guys know those people? Anyway, so we used to go. And the guy used to give us this oil used to give us this oil, right? And you'd say, come with cooking oil, and you'd say, I would pray over it. And you'd give him like some money, and then you'll hold the money and so on, and then you'd pray over it. We laugh about it with my brothers now, right? But that's what would happen. 
right, at all these, uh, all these things. And you'd always think, like, this is okay, because it's not like you're going to, like, some witch doctor or something, right? This is just a sect, and you kind of think, you know, and you'd talk about God and things like that. And you'd have this, like, cooking oil that you pour in, and then you'd pray over it for so-called blessings. And I remember going to boarding school, you know, a junior school and so on, going to boarding school. And I, went to one, I went to one of those fancy boarding schools and so on. And I remember would put it over my face like this. You'd put it... <laughs> every day and I remember like these guys we were in the choir we were in the choir and I remember like these guys were like guys someone is smelling of cooking oil <laughs> and you know boys aren't shy and I remember these friends of mine they'll go and they'll like they, then they'll like smell me like it's nyamuda it's nyamuda right and then I remember afterwards we got a bit more sophisticated and my, and my mom used to use oil of olay. You know oil of olay, ladies? Is that a Lancome product, right? Oil of olay, she would use it and so on. So sometimes when it was starting to run out and so on, then we'd just add the cooking oil and then mix it up and so on. So at least the smell was a bit nicer. But I want to show you there was always a money trail because later on, this man, this old man, he said to my older brother, David and I, he says, guys, you know what? I can teach you this stuff. It just takes two days. I can teach you the whole process, everything was all sorted, and you'll also be able to do this. And if you, and he'll say to us, and if you can, if you take out, there's a, there's a Shona word for it, if you can take out one, a thing like this from someone's, um, you know, tummy, or you know, they'll take them out from various places. If you say, I'm sick and so on, they'll take, if you can do this with a white person, you get like $100. This is, I'm t this is back in the 80s. This is days when in Zim, $100 was, you know, $100 was a lot. You'd, they would say things like that. I've forgotten the exact figure, but you get where I'm going. There's always a money trail. And then afterwards, he would come up with dodgy ideas and so on, and I would challenge him because now I was born again. I'd be like, but the Bible says that's wrong. But the Bible says this is wrong. Then you'll just keep quiet. Because in those days, I'll just challenge everyone according to the word of God. Amen? Then there are these other guys who would come to our house, younger ones now, younger uh, prophet guys, you know? And they had this thing about not voting. Let me tell you something. With false ministries, there's always a thing that they'll have. You know, like, we don't vote. Or we don't eat this. So there were these two young men. And you know, my grandmother would introduce us to all these people and so on, and my grandmother would be like, oh, those guys are powerful. That one is powerful. Have you noticed in this country it's also like that? Oh, that one is really powerful, and this one is more powerful than this one. And then people still come to us as pastors. Oh, you are powerful. Oh, you are more powerful than that one. It's the same animist worldview, the traditional African religion, but they now put it in normal-looking churches where people are wearing suits and using mics. Cordless ones. Amen? So now these youngsters would now come now. And they would come and they will visit us. They will stay at our house. And, you, and, 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 and I mean, we were young and so on. And I remember I liked this particular girl. Um, yeah, this was back in the day, guys. I remember I liked this particular girl. And I remember I was so curious. And I said, I said to this prophet, I said, so, can you see it feeds on the flesh? So, can you tell me, you know, um, I just want to know. There's this girl I like and... Does she like me? Can you tell me? And the guy would just look like this on the palm of his hand, like he's watching a video. And he would explain to me, and, he'll look. and then he'll give me information concerning the situation. And I remember it would feed your flesh. Be like, okay, 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 all right. <laughs> the same thing is happening. When people are saying, prophesy, prophesy, 
They never say something negative. They always say something that feeds your flesh. Amen? Why am I sharing my story? Why am I sharing my story? I'm sharing my story because I know you've got your story. And I want you to feel comfortable that we've all got a story. And for some of you, you might not have been going to the same type of people we went to when we were growing up. For some of you, it was maybe fortune tellers. You know those people where, I remember one time we went to, now I'm thinking, and it was a white lady actually. And you know those people where they say, can you cut, can you cut a piece, they want a piece of your hair. You guys understand necromancy and that kind of stuff. And they'll want a piece of your hair or something like that. All right? So guys, the things I'm talking about, it's not just black people. So what we're going to do is we're going to renounce these things. Amen? We're going to pray a brief prayer, renouncing these things. And we're going to say, you know what? We want true ministry. Let's pray. If you are here this morning and you're in a space where you've been involved in anything, you've been defiled by false ministry, you've been in places where your, your flesh was feeding off certain things, and you're saying, you know what, I want to renounce it. I want to make sure that there are no doors open in my life to any form of darkness. Yes, it seemed like it was Christian because the people claimed to be Christian. And you're saying, I want to renounce it and I want to embrace true ministry. Just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. I want you to listen very carefully here. Because what happens is sometimes you can actually have someone claiming to have healed you. But I many of you know that the devil can't heal? So very often what happens is the sickness can move. So you think you are healed from that, of that ulcer. But then after three years you find you've now got cancer. That's what happens. I'll touch on it the next time I preach on this. I'll go a bit deeper. Maybe you're in a space this morning where you've been the kind of person where you haven't commented on anything because you've been afraid of judging people. But you know in your spirit certain things are wrong. And you've shied away from talking about it. But now you're saying, I need to rise up and I need to know the word of God for myself. Just stand where you are. Maybe you're in a space where you haven't known how to watch over and you're watching over the wrong stuff. You're a manager in the workplace. And so when you get home, you're always on your phone watching over your team at work, but not watching over your family. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. You watch over politicians and what's going on in the political arena, what's going on in the soccer league. But God is saying, I want you to watch over the flock. I want you to watch over your family. 
the things I've assigned to you to watch over. I want you to stand where you are because God is calling us to be watchmen. He's calling us to be watchmen. Let's pray. Pray this prayer with me, please. Lord Jesus, I surrender completely to you. I ask that you close every door that I have opened to darkness because of my fleshly desires. I choose to make the basics beautiful. I choose to love your word. Forgive me for where my ears have been itching. Desiring to hear messages that will feed my flesh. I renounce that, Lord Jesus. I embrace true ministry. Forgive me, Lord, where I've pointed people to myself instead of pointing them to Jesus. Forgive me for where I've worshipped man instead of worshipping you. I choose to be straightened to you to rely on the blood of Jesus and not on trinkets not on novel ideas but purely on your word I surrender this morning use me God I see myself as a steward who will watch over that which you have assigned to me in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. And Amen. Praise God. Hey, e-family, online family. That was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget, we've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.